it's uh it's it's full full fred durst season over here i'm loving that I'm, yeah. I'm loving that i'm um uh, i'm trying to look as much like uh like sad 2011 brad pitt mixed with slavoj zizek <laughs> these days so. sad sad pit sad um, pit uh, but the the combination of those things just just equals out to hot David Bazan. So you're doing a you're doing a good job there. Definitely trying to be hot David Bazan. Yeah, that's that's actually true. Yeah, that's that. I feel like there's a whole archetype of millennial dudes who are just in the hot David Bazan, which is <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Something about the word Bazan just reminded me of Pizones. <laughs> yeah, same. The second it came out of my mouth, it's. Um, I, I have you had a Pizone recently? I've not had a Pizone recently, no. Because um, one time, uh, one time in like 2019, I randomly, uh, I randomly door dashed a Pizone, and it was, uh, it was decidedly underwhelming, <laughs> as as you might expect. So, what's up, Ji? Damn. Damn. Just Damn. uh, <laughs> yeah, I talking about pizza pies talking about pizza pies how's everybody doing very cool house thank you (sighs) i've been i've been better had a rough week at work but i won't talk about it on the podcast Uh, we can talk about it off offline uh, later later (laughs) off cast off pod off pod yeah you guys want to get into it here Let's do it. Since the entire episode is going to be fucking cold open vamping. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's go. Um, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Check Under the Sea, the 2021 C-Lab 2021 podcast. I'm your host, Jim. I'm J.I. Hey, and I'm uh, Todd. Cool Todd. It's Todd. <laughs> cool Todd, yes, that is my full cool. name. <laughs> yes. Uh, cool Todd. Cool Todd. Much like Yao Ming, your uh, last yeah. name comes first. Yeah. Todd Cool. Todd. Cool Todd. Nice. Todd Cool. So today we're talking about uh, season two, episode seven, uh, seventy-two eleven, aired uh, December fifteenth, two thousand two. Premise of the episode is a nuclear submarine crashes outside the station, and the crew of Sea Lab and a rare occurrence must work quickly to stop an environmental disaster from happening. The only serious episode in the show. This was an original episode of Collision of the Aquarius from Sea Lab twenty twenty. Um, which was redubbed by the 2021 voice actors with approximately half of the original episode's footage uh, excised to fit the shorter running time. The end is also modified. The episode's title derives from the sequence number of the original episode. Uh, its footage comes from. Long-winded is what it is. Let's go. 
Yeah, the uh, only other commentary I got about this before we go talk about more interesting stuff is uh, sometimes they swim and sometimes they don't uh, when they're outside in the water. I thought that was really funny. Uh, Captain Glenn's badge will disappear from time to time. The commentary indicates they made this in about three days and it was Adam Reed's idea. Uh, they used some of the scenes from this episode for the iRobot episode, uh, which is funny. Uh, Debbie takes her wetsuit off and then puts it back on when she's inside the Aquarius for no reason. Uh, that's from the original episode as well. It's one of the two episodes from C-Lab 2020 where Murphy leaves, uh, actually leaves C-Lab. Uh, the crew behind the show debated what the last line ought to be uh, a whole bunch uh, during the during the credit sequence, which was, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, and uh, I did watch the original uh, Collision of the Aquarius episode. And it's, uh, my God, the, the original show is not very good. Uh, a lot of filler. It's very easy to see how they could, they could cut this episode in half. There's a lot of shots from inside the Aquarius before it crashes. It's really like weird scene where Marco is debriefing the crew before they leave. Um, there's some pretty kicking tunes when uh, the C-Lab crew is getting ready to go save the Aquarius. I uh, wish they loved yep. that in. Just just the soundtrack. Uh, the voice of Murphy from CLF 2020 is very similar to Frank Goss, which makes me laugh. Uh, Chopper Dave is Frank Goss. It's, it's, it's Harry Goss, and it's because it's Harry Goss. It's the same guy. Oh. Yeah. It sounds really similar. Uh, yeah. Shut up, guys. Uh, ruining my jokes. Uh, and Chopper Dave, Chopper Dave is from this episode. Uh, he may be from other episodes in the original syllab 2020 uh and they drop a bunch of food containers and rescue supplies uh they got cut in the the, the 2021 version uh, and then my notes end with my god this episode is so boring uh from the original 2020 uh but yeah uh murphy sounds very similar it's very interesting hey, I, got a, I got a hot, right. hot take for y'all i I, I, it, I, I thought this episode was great and it's the, actually the most interesting episode of C-Lab I've watched yet, you fucking cowards. Um, <laughs> because it like it just worked for me. I don't know what it was. I, I really loved this episode. I, I agreed. I, I'm going to come down on your side. I think it was a vibe. Um, There's something that just felt like a, uh, like a fucking Chuck E. Cheese version of Kubrick about it. Mm-hmm. Like there's just something about about all the white about all the white space in it that that gave it the same kind of vibe vaguely as um, like 2001, uh, which I, I just really Agreed. really enjoyed. Nice and, uh, Stanley Kubrick C Lab. Yes, um, that'd be a cool uh, Snyder cut to do. <laughs> I yeah I I, I I I agree with that. I like that. Like. Um... I, I, I like this sort of uh, <laughs> just the attitudes of the crew and they're like um, just the idea that they kind of have like a well-functioning unit of folks running C-Lab is just really fun to watch for 11 minutes. Um, yeah. Like the crew falls in line. Uh, I also, yeah, I love when for some reason Marco is just teaching the kids to swim for no reason and it's never mentioned again. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> That's all I have on the on the episode proper, though. Yeah, the only thing I the only thing I'll add on the episode proper is uh, uh, the the closing credits music is a fucking bop. Uh, very mm-hmm. much enjoyed it, and I love that C Lab just explodes anyway because 
Um, even though they aren't, they aren't fully plot committed to that bit because there are a number of episodes where it doesn't happen. They, for whatever reason, felt the need to commit to it for this, which I think is is a good bit of craft. I like it. Commitment. That's what yeah. it's all about. Uh, for the record, John Stephenson was the voice of the original Murphy. Oh fuck! Yeah. Well, I'm just you gonna jerks. edit. Right? I'm 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 not editing anything out because we need to sound as stupid as we fucking need to. <laughs> um, I, I I I swear to God, I thought he was in the original as well, but apparently. Apparently not. I, I swear uh, to now, God, fucking, now I'm going crazy. I'm I'm gaslighting myself. I'm having a mini Mandela. Fucking uh, man, I just used two words that are just euphemisms for being stupid in one breath. Pretty cool. Uh, I like it. Um, yeah, dude. That's uh, I fucking could could have sworn that Wikipedia.com that said is, that said that it was fucking what I guys in the original. Fucking well, my screwed up reverse, joke, reverse up Mandela effect, man. That's just when you're stupid. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, all right, now let's talk about what we really want to talk about. Let's unpack yes. some stuff. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out swinging and just talk about uh, talk about Baudrillard's blender real quick as an homage to the wonderful. Uh, probably my first brush with with true true uh, postmodernism. Um, in it was it was a very web 1.0 thing I think I originally witnessed in maybe 2004 uh, maybe a little later but it was a and I don't know did we did we ever throw the peanut around about that back in high school maybe it sounds okay. familiar to me but I, I don't think yeah I, I knew all it might have just made the rounds um, anyway it was a a simple video randomizer that contained 12,000 TV clips for playback no longer available couldn't find it anywhere but i did find a short a short youtube video eulogizing it because it apparently won a webby award uh in 2010 um so it's a a webby award-winning company (laughs) yes oh fuck that's pretty cool man yeah that's Um, very cool also uh, stupid stupid as hell uh it's a self-writing montage machine a no frills lowbrow real-time jukebox um, and it was purposed to make 60-second low-res videos um, of endlessly mixable combinations of video clips. Uh, and it, 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 it described itself as a form of critical response to media, uh, a sort of absurd expressionist potlatch. Um, it, I thought it, thought it quite ironic that given that we're the, the angle I chose on this was to just purely play free jazz about Baudrillard, the related videos and the sidebar of YouTube when I watched this this uh, webby uh, example from Birdie's Blender were uh, Mark Fisher, the slow cancellation of the future, pretty apropos. But then below it, um, Michael Sarah experiences mouth pains while eating spicy wings. Uh, skater, <laughs> skater, skater cross 2016, full broadcast World of X Games. Uh, no effects as Fat Mike plays his favorite bass riffs and inside Justin Bieber's tour bus GQ. Um, so just a, a really great uh, fucking hat on a hat for Baudrillard, uh, not having any reverential tangents to his, the video about his thing. Um, jump in, jump in, guys. I've got more, but I want to. I don't want to. I don't want to suck all the oxygen out of the room. Todd, go for it. Yeah, we should probably just establish who. Uh, Jean Baudrillard is. Um, I'll just I'll just literally read the Wikipedia article here. 
from cool. front to back for the next uh, 45 minutes. So here we go. Sounds good. Um, no, so he's a, 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 a kind of like a French thinker from 20th century. I believe he, he died in 2007. I remember because I remember talking about it um, uh, at, at the percussion studio with my professor, with my professor. And we were talking, we were just like throwing the peanut around about Baudrillard before we started playing xylophone rags from um, fucking, you know, 1890, um, which is the most Baudrillard thing ever. Um, anyway, so he, yeah, he, um, his kind of big ideas are are this concept of uh, simulation and and hyper reality, um, and he wrote about a lot of this in this book, um, Simulacra and Simulation, which was a big inspiration for uh, the uh, honestly by 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 my measure probably the best film of the 90s the uh, the matrix 1999 yes um and that book is actually referenced in the movie because that is um neo like stores some kind of like hard drive or something in that book and like gives it to gives it to one of one of his um um it's very early very early on anyway so like the, the kind of ideas that they're playing around with in, in the matrix about, you know, sort of like, you know, what, what is the ground of your reality? Like what is actually, you know, beneath, be, you know, kind of beneath the beneath um, is, is what Baudrillard was always um, interested in, in, in digging into and the, the sort of effect that that has on um, how we feel about, you know, truth and, and, and expression and, and that kind of thing. Anyway, that was long and rambling. Um, if you all have more to add to that, please do. I yeah, think that was the most, the most brief treatment of Baudrillard possible, so good on you. Yeah, I thought the thing that about 7211 that kind of stuck out to me about Baudrillard, and, and I'm going to butcher his name forever because I didn't take French in high school, uh, was that... I. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us did, did we? We did not. No, no none of us did. No, um, I hate that language. Uh, good food, though. But uh, anyway, his his sort of um, I think he says this like more in the in the early '90s about um, his sense that like sort of history is accelerating, but like the our ability to tell the important events from the from the new <laughs> day is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all right? It's going away. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Now, that's the sneeze of hyper-reality if I've ever heard it. Uh, but I... I, I sneezed so loud that my dog came to check on me, so there we go. Sorry about that, everyone. No, I think... Keeping uh, that in. Yeah, no, you should. Um yeah, that I, I, I think that his sort of like, uh, I, guess, I guess it's a prophecy that sort of the technological advancement is going to make it harder and harder to tell what's important, even though more and more seems to be happening. I think kind of called, called so someone called it about what the, the human condition would be really in 2021. But then I think it, it also, and bear with me here, um, kind of helps explain just how different if you if you go back and watch like the original episode, which we don't have to really gravitate toward, but 
like the the sort of world that c 2020 was made in and the satire 2021 uh couldn't be i think more kind of tied into his thought in terms of uh the the sort of world that 2020 was made in in the early 70s things were going to be better in a very specific way um there's uh you know uh, sort of less going on um sort of history was proceeding as it had for maybe the last few decades um there's very clearly a um sort of an arc of like where folks were going at least that's sort of the prevailing attitude and then in the sad satirical sort of take with 2021 um you know, everyone's kind of the worst version of themselves. Um, there's a lot of things going on, but none of it really matters. Uh, and it's obviously sort of turning the millennium uh, sort of a uh, satire or, or maybe, you know, a lot, a lot of things happening, none of it really mattering. Um, and I think in some ways, and when this shows that it's worse, it's sort of making fun of things that, um, you know, it doesn't really come off as, that, what didn't really come off as that funny um, or original even back in, in the early 2000s. And I think, the next episode, um, Feast of Alvis is probably one of those. Um, maybe that's just my take, but it it, it kind of crystallizes, I, I think, the the divide between the, the two episodes, I think, pretty well, just in terms of like a philosophical framing. Um, yeah. I'll jump in real quick here and like, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, <clears throat> sort of continuing with the the theme that, that, that we've seen throughout of kind of like the the show being a, a critique of that, um, that, that era and that kind of like, um, belief in like maybe a, like kind of more authoritarian high modernist society. Um, I, I think that they, they set that up well in this episode by, you know, like th the first thing that came to mind was like a palimpsest, like a, like a text where you write like, the other text is erased and then you write on top of it. Um, and, and there's some like, you know, interesting shit that happens there. And like lots of people use palimpsest as like a metaphor for kind of like history and our understanding of history. Cause we're always kind of like writing on top of, you know, what we were learning in school, so to speak. Um, so uh, I think that it's kind of interesting that they used, they used this as like another, almost like rhetorical device to like make their argument about um about like the, the postmodern condition um but yeah i think that's that, that's one thing that i that, that kind of struck me about the episode and one thing that i that i was definitely enjoying i definitely just i i think just to add to add on to that i think that there's <laughs> the the episode probably expresses a um what i think according to my memory is a pretty tangible malaise about the the hangover everybody was feeling from the the sort of end of history 90s uh the 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 fucking uh emperor's clothes were really starting to come off in terms of like oh uh, no there's just there's just a whole uh new era of strife ahead of us and um i think the uh this this episode is a decent job of like bemoaning the failures and disappointments of of modernism um sure yeah uh saying, you mentioned the new saying, era just, just, uh <laughs> quick word from our sponsor the new era strife runners uh did you want to jump in on on those shoes real quick wait yeah, they fit real good new balance <laughs> new era um, i just confused new, new era and new balance i love that 
our other sponsor, New Era. Um, yeah, I actually, I'm actually um, going later today to pick up my my uh, New Era Strife suit. It's top to bottom New Era New Balance. Um, you can you can get get from one end of town uh, to the other in, in style, uh, wearing wearing shoes that that carry you like the wind, uh, and a hat that makes you look like the freddest of Durst's. Thank you. I like that. Yeah, I think. Sorry. No, you've been trying to say something. You've been trying to say something uh, for five fucking minutes. I'm sorry. No, no, I. I mean, is your is your point, uh, Jim, that the the act of like making an original episode into a sort of satire is, um, again, like if we're just looking at at the text, so to speak, just the act of satirizing an original episode is is sort of like lampshading the the fading of a, a sort of uh, end of history or anything is that your point that's that's correct yes the the fact yeah, that, I, there, that it's it becomes so easy to take something that was so um utopian and optimistic and future-minded as the entire series does and just like you said lampshade it um shows a, a jadedness and a cynicism about about the promises of modernism i think yeah and i think well, like talks a lot about like utopian uh, America and, and and sort of his take. And I don't I don't know if I really agree with it, but he he focuses on on sort of like the act of techno- um, the act of like embracing technology and technological change, which allows people to be liberated in the sense that they have all these you know um, these choices. Um, but in the end, the choices mean a lot less than what they may seem on like the uh, on the superficial level. And I think. And it's funny, kind of, we're almost removed from the 2021 episode as the 2021 episode was from the 2020 episode. Uh, we're about 10 years away from being that separated from those two. Uh, it was about a 30 year span. But it's almost, to me anyway, it's, it's a little more clear that the, um, I think the high modernism that Todd was talking about, um, in some ways, yes, obviously obligations come with them a little bit more in, in, in terms of like being uncomfortable or, or not being able to, you know, in, in current, you know, um, late capitalism speak, I can't believe you're using that term, uh, bring your whole self to work. But in, in some senses, like the obligations and the, the sense of belonging, I, I think are things that in the sort of post, maybe post postmodern world that we're living in, where it's, it's almost more appreciated than it was even 20 years ago. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but it, but it's almost like the satire is now becoming right for, uh, right for satire itself and that it, it sort of proposed truths that in the last 20 years are, are maybe not as, as clearly in the, in the right as they were um, when 2021 was first released. Yeah, I mean, I think that the entire, it's one of the reasons that the show is so rewatchable in the current day, right? Is it's, it makes its own gravy in that regard. It's, it's uh, so... It, it, it got so many things right, but in, in historical relief, got so many things wrong as well. It's easy enough to think satirically about it. It's, this, this reminds me of the other day when I was having a conversation with some fellow millennials, um, and I, I, I surfaced the fact that, that Hawthorne Heights is now classic rock uh, for, the, for, the new, for the new generation. And yeah, it elicits the same anger response from everybody because we're all so fucking mm-hmm. old. Um, yeah, like when when I learned last night that that Tool drummer Danny Carey is 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 turning sixty next year, I like I, I had yeah. to shut my computer and and go to sleep. Like I was I was just yeah, it's, 
can't believe that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Henry, I mean, Henry it, Rollins is also on the doorstep of 60 if he isn't already, which is crazy. Uh, Eminem is going to be 50 next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rapper, rapper Eminem. Rapper Eminem. Uh, rapper well, Pitbull. One other, rapper Pitbull. Uh, well, a few other straight thoughts about about the episode or, or how I think the the seventy two eleven is is kind of funny to to watch now is um and I, you know, we we talked about this a, a little bit in our our sort of group messages and and this is in line with uh, Baudrillard's uh, thought because I think he was the one that kind of prophesized that it may be maybe somebody else here but that um, it, he wrote in the sixties that the United States is so much further ahead in the adoption of technology that they're going to be a different kind of society in 50 years than, than Europe and Europe is, uh, is going to fall behind because uh, American productivity is just that it was accelerated that much faster than anybody else on the planet. And of course that led to not sort of the, like a five hour work week for us, but just, uh, you know, two income households and uh, a lot of societal breakdown, I think, um, in our sort of quest for, for greater productivity uh, because our productivity actually slowed quite a bit right after sort of this era of television um, after the, the early seventies and, and Peter Thiel, who uh, I think we may have mentioned before ha- has kind of a nice quad chart um, in his book zero to one about uh, sort of optimism and pessimism on one axis and determinism and indeterminism on, on another about um, how you view the future. And it, and it seems like the original C-Lab 2020 was this, uh, very classic mid-century optimistic uh deterministic thought that you know we could build we had the capability of building a, a society under the under the ocean they're going to do a lot of research it's going to be um you know publicly funded it's going to run well we're going to have people of integrity running it they kind of reflected the, the sci-fi of the time with with star trek uh you know um having these crews that go out in the middle of nowhere um and gene roddenberry always um sort of said that you know in, in the writer's room like they, that no main characters can ever have a problem with each other there can't be conflict within the crew because he thought in the 24th century um there would be no conflict between crews that basically we would um science fiction our way to a better society down to the individual level whereas c 2021 I don't know if it's completely pessimistic, but it's certainly uh, indeterminate how the future is going to be. I think that's one of the hallmarks of satire. Um, and it's it's obviously much darker. Um, it's, it's a satirical sort of show. It's, it's built for adult swim. So let's not get too philosophical, but I think it reflects sort of like a, a sci-fi that's much more pessimistic. It's much more um, not how we're going to build a society underwater, but how is that society underwater uh, going to destroy itself or how's the technology going to be turned against humans or how is someone's, um, you know, half human, half shark hybrid going to destroy the crew, which is something that comes up in later seasons of this very show. Um, but I, I think it kind of reflects again, this sort of weird pessimism, um, that I think we're just now kind of emerging, um, away from, but interested on thoughts on that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I definitely feel that like, I think that, in some ways, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Teal gets into this a lot, like with the, uh, like, what is it, like 1973, he says, is like the year, basically, that that everything kind of like changes, um, where we stop actual like zero to 
zero to one innovation and we we kind of like fully um start becoming a uh, a society of iteration rather than like revolution um right. <clears throat> which which is yeah i think i think interesting uh in in the sense of like um the like epistema or like paradigm of the time like when you're in high modernism like everything is just a few calculations away from being perfected but when you're in like postmodernism, everything is just like a risk model um yep. and yeah. like and and i i i think that that's kind of like the difference um between those like two like eras of of sci-fi side by side is 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 one has like a much greater understanding of kind of the I don't know, like for, for lack of the better word, like the real is is much more like precarious than than high modernism will ever let it be. Right. And it's funny because Sea Lab 2020 was aired in 1972, the year before Teal uh, <laughs> right. mar marks sort of the um the the end of, of, of progress on a lot of sort of scientific fronts. And I mean 73 is also the year, the last year until recently, there's any kind of significant gain in, in productivity or middle class wages. Um, it's the year of the oil crisis. It's the year it's right around the time the EPA is founded. A lot, lot of lot of interesting things happening. Basically, right around the time this the original show ends. I, and 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 I bet if you did a Google ngram analysis of the word risk, it would be like a twenty x word in the in the like like eighties on or seventies on era because like I think that. In a lot of ways, we're still, you know, getting back to the palimpsest, we're still kind of like a bit obsessed with high modernism in some ways. Like, I'm not sure what what like fully automated luxury capitalism and universal basic income are other than that in some ways. Sub crew. Good? Yeah. Sub crew. Yeah, we good. Uh, Sub crew. Yeah, I think uh, the, yeah, like the, the rocket scientists that would have put C-Lab together back in the 70s, you know, starting in probably 1981 or 1982, they probably would have gotten smart enough after not being paid any more money to go work on Wall Street for about 40 years. And now those rocket scientists would go work for like SpaceX finally. And like, it's been about a 40 or 50 year period of, um, you know, if you're really good at math, just go be, um, you know, uh, in, you know in, in risk management on Wall Street and go make, you know, $100 million. Exactly. Uh, before that, you, you would you would go actually make history and put a person on the moon, and now we're finally back. Uh, I guess that's uh, today's. So we're, we're we're recording this on May eighth, and Elon Musk about to go on SNL. So I guess that's all sort of fortuitous. Uh, so if you're not gonna uh, be a mathematician, sort of figuring out how to get blockchain to make you millions, you'd probably actually go work for the the same guy uh, that's that's boosting that online and, and go home, make a, make a rocket or a, or a car that doesn't have to use gasoline. That's the first real technological innovation. And in, at in some time we were promised Chad Musk on SNL and we got Elon Musk on SNL. <laughs> it's uh, my teal take also I nice. mean, a little bit, a little bit less, uh, less irreverent of a teal take is uh, we were, we, we were promised a, a hegemonic levels of productivity and we got fucking influencers. <laughs> yeah, the the product of our, our our accelerated technological advancement, very fucking dystopian. Um, yeah. I just have I have a few notes before we wrap it here. Uh, I sort of was just thinking to myself about like, oh, what if Baudrillard were alive today? 
Uh, oh what boy. would he think? What would he think of the fact that there is now a new Matrix movie being made? That's uh, what. What would he? Uh, what would he think about Hot Ones? Uh, much less Hotones. Hotones. Sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, apologies all around. Uh, much, much less uh, Paris Hilton on Hotones. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this yet. Um, go, go, hate watch Paris Hilton on Hot Ones now because it's literally the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I want a Zizek Hot Ones really bad. I want Zizek to go on Hot Ones, and furthermore, oh like I, I want, I want actually, I want Zizek and Peterson to do tr- Truth or Dab. I want that that to be the reboot of their uh, their uh, debate. Nice. Um, I given that Baudrillard was alive for the uh, meteoric ascendancy of Justin Timberlake, wonder what he thought about him. Yeah. Um, I I bet I bet uh, Baudrillard would have had a lot to say about the fact that Travis Barker is now dating Kourtney Kardashian. Uh, because that is a weird uh, that is a weird breakdown of the way we thought things should work, and then, it's hyper real, um, man. It's hyper real as fuck. Um, and then I, I I want to write I definitely want to write a a fan fiction comic strip where uh, Baudrillard's ghost and Vic Berger are best friends, uh, because nice. Vic Berger is essentially a a a modern day applied version of of Baudrillard. Um, go check go check him out if you're not familiar. Some of the best uh, postmodernist stuff on the whole internet. Um, those are those are my my thoughts. Uh, anything anything else, guys? I think uh, it's all all good to me. Uh, I think. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess maybe the last thing I'll say is like, you know. I don't even actually have anything else to say. I was just going to say that <clears throat> this episode shows that, you know, well, I, 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 I want to talk about irrationality, but I also don't want to talk about it. So James, over to you. Oh man. Uh, I guess the only other thought I had was uh, <laughs> when Murphy's talking to Captain Glenn about like, I never questioned your, your uh you know, bravery i questioned your judgment i was like i feel that deeply as a person who used to do army stuff like there's a lot of really really brave people that would also not maybe sometimes make the best decision and it's extremely hard to distinguish between the two sometimes when people are very 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 upset and uh i don't know i uh of a of a very not good episode of a very not very good show in CLA 2020. I thought that was uh, an interesting line potentially written by people who, who, who maybe understood that a little bit uh, given the, the time in which they were writing it, but that's it. That's all I got. Um, I, that line was actually um, written by, by Jocko Willink who went back in a time machine to write that line. Oh, so, uh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that's, Cause it's the most Jocko sense. Willink thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, all right, guys. Jack O'Willink. The, yeah, my favorite, uh, my favorite Irish, Irish uh, business thought leader. Uh, <laughs> favorite Irish Navy SEAL, Jack O'Willink. Good fucking grief. Uh, thanks Tell for me. joining, guys. Um, do watch the episode. Uh, you'll get a kick out of it. It's it's still it's still worth watching. It's still good by some measures. Uh, enjoy yourselves, and we'll uh, we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.